you know, I've been through a lot in these past six days, five minutes, 27 and a half seconds. And if I've learned anything during that time, it's that you are who you are. And no amount of mermaid magic or managerial promotion or some other third thing can make me anything more than what I really am inside. A kid. But that's okay. Because I did what everyone said a kid couldn't do. I made it to Shell City. And I beat the Cyclops. And I rode the Hasselhoff. And I brought the crown back. So yeah, I'm a kid. And also a goofball. And a wingnut. And a knucklehead McSpazatron. But most of all, I'm... 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 I'm a goofy goober! Welcome to Totally Biased Media, the podcast where three brothers that know nothing about video games tell you everything they know about video games. I'm Jordan, and I'm a goofy goober, yeah. I'm Jason, and you're a goofy goober, yeah. I'm Jackson, and we're all goofy goobers, yeah. And I'm Brandon, goofy 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 goober, yeah. This is episode two of Games You Forgot About, (laughs) a series where we sit down with our friends and reminisce about the games that were left behind. Today, we're discussing Nickelodeon's The SpongeBob SquarePants Movie, The Game, with Brandon Spangler. Let's get into it. (laughs) Brandon, thank you for joining us. Thanks for joining me, fellas. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for having us on. (laughs) We've been hijacked already. We knew it was going to happen as soon as we started having guests that we were just going to get upstaged one of these days. I just didn't think it would be such such a hostile takeover. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a long time time listener, first time guest. I'm I'm excited to be here. I think Abby said the same thing Ah. in the episode (laughs) of Games You Forgot. I'm a hack. (laughs) Uh, it's it's a uh, it's it's a pretty uh, easy intro there. <laughs> so yeah, so we're gonna be talking about the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, the game, uh, or I guess technically the full title is Nickelodeon's SpongeBob SquarePants, the movie, the game. Uh, and I won't be shortening that in any capacity <laughs> throughout this episode. <laughs> it's just gonna be a mouthful every single time. But uh, Brandon, I-, I guess we'll kind of just kick it off to you to to start us off. Uh, you know, what made you decide, like, this is the game? Like, this is the one you wanted to dig back into? Yeah, well, if I'm answering that uh, today, uh, the, the reason it's the greatest game of all time is nostalgia. You know, SpongeBob <laughs> hit my, my age range just about perfectly. I think the first episode came out in 1999. Uh, yep. I was born in 97, so it kind of, kind of hit my age range perfectly. Yeah, my, I remember my younger brother learned to, to spell his first word watching the very first ever episode. He was running around the house saying, people order our patties. P-O-O-P. <laughs> it's one of my favorite games growing up because it had my favorite character of all time growing up, SpongeBob. Yeah, oh, I, I was a big, big SpongeBob fan as a kid. Like, I think it's it's really the first show I can remember actually liking as, like, my own thing. Like, I remember, like, you know, as a kid, your parents put put you down in front of the tv and turn on whatever sometimes but like i remember spongebob is like like the earliest memories i have of like seeking out a show and a character and like a you know a, a just anything that i can remember being like that is something i like and want to see more of. yeah i think spongebob yeah. really just hit perfectly i think kind of both of us you know late millennials early gen z hmm. where it was all over the place i think it was probably nickelodeon's like First big hit of the 2000s, at least. I mean, everyone was watching it. Everyone was talking about it. And I think that's the reason that there's a million memes that are all based on SpongeBob now. It is the most memeable show. (laughs) But did you guys ever watch it on a SpongeBob CTR TV? (laughs) Or CRT? I don't know. One of the two. I I didn't. I guess you have me beat there. I said I still have a SpongeBob wallet in my house. I, I also guess, like, that's another thing I distinctly remember being kind of unique to SpongeBob was, like, you know, every Nickelodeon show had toys and, like, clothing and stuff, but I feel like SpongeBob merch was just everywhere. Like, you could get literally anything with SpongeBob printed on it, and that's kind of wild. I mean, like, I guess now that's more common, but also I guess it's just because stuff is more common i don't know there's more stuff in the world than there was in 2004 it's also kind of interesting because 
I don't remember ever having like a SpongeBob SquarePants toy, <laughs> other than like maybe mm. Happy Meal toys from McDonald's. Yeah, but I do remember having like SpongeBob underwear and like SpongeBob T-shirts <laughs> and <laughs> like yeah. SpongeBob notebooks with SpongeBob stickers on them. Like it was everywhere, but but no action figures, or at least for me. I think I also had a SpongeBob wallet. Even though I was from an age where I definitely wasn't carrying money. <laughs> yeah, mine never saw a dollar in its life. <laughs> yeah. I feel like wallets were just one of those things that uh, people bought for young boys. Is like, this is like a grown-up toy. Ha ha ha. But like, kids don't need wallets. That's not, that's not a functional thing. I do what I can to not carry one today. <laughs> My problem is that all those specialty wallets are bifold. And I... I like a good trifold wallet. Well, see, I could never do a trifold. We're getting a little off topic, I guess, but like, I am starchly opposed to the trifold. Is starchly the right word? Staunchly. <laughs> Staunchly. There we go. That sounds. That sounds right. Starchly. Starchly opposed, like a potato. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we got a lot to. We got a lot of context. We got to set up for all the people that don't know who SpongeBob is. <laughs> Uh, so we're talking about the SpongeBob SquarePants movie game. There have, of course, been a dozen SpongeBob SquarePants games, even one as early as or as recent as this year, which is kind of wild. I guess let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the actual show itself first. Um, so I think we, we already kind of established our ages a little bit, but like, so you know, you said came out in '98, so I would have been four. Um, you know, you all would have been just a year or two old. Jackson would have been like negative six or something. <laughs> so like SpongeBob has got, he's got his grips on the cartoon world and has for a real long time in a way that I don't, I don't, I can't think of any other show that's ever had that kind of pull. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, the next show that really comes to mind is like Ben 10, where it was something that was just on for the entirety of my childhood and i watched it almost the whole time but spongebob definitely had a lot more staying power because i don't know anybody my age that still watches ben 10 but i do know people that i guess i don't know anyone my age t watching spongebob or at least not openly <laughs> but they're still talking about yeah. it yeah it's certainly still culturally relevant i would think i think if you made a ben 10 reference these days I, no one would get it. It would just go over everyone's head, or that they would they would just pretend they don't get it because they don't want to be associated. <laughs> yeah, I think I think part of the reason it is still such a huge thing though is because of like what we were talking about. There's just so many memes. Like, I I feel like if I scrolled Twitter for two minutes, I would probably see at least one picture from SpongeBob in some capacity. Whereas I don't, I can't. I can't say that about literally any other show, even ones that are like big and still on air right now. I mean, I think part of it has to be just the wide range of characters that are in a lot of episodes. There's just so much content with especially Squidward and Patrick where like you everyone falls somewhere in that that spectrum between Sponge or between uh, Squidward and Patrick. <laughs> yeah. So everyone can find something to relate to. I think SpongeBob was also really like surreal in a way that I've never seen another cartoon be, at least not from since the 90s. SpongeBob even through like the late 2000s still had like this kind of weird out there sense of humor that I guess the next you know like Ren and Stimpy kind of had a similar sense of humor but was a lot more negative and mean with it. Whereas SpongeBob yeah. always felt happy and funny. For sure. For sure. I had a science teacher, uh, probably fifth grade or so, who told me that she would never let her children watch SpongeBob because it was so silly and unrealistic. But her example, her example of a, of a good show was Phineas and Ferb, with one of its primary characters being a platypus who doubles as a secret agent. <laughs> uh, I feel like there were a handful of shows from when we were kids that kind of had that same rep as like parents hate this one but it always kind of just boiled down to because it was popular like for example you know there were tons of people that were just like you shouldn't read harry potter because it's satanic but like 
everything written for kids had like magic and fantasy elements and stuff. The only reason people were pointing fingers at Harry Potter was because it was popular. And I think SpongeBob sometimes got the same thing where like SpongeBob was like the face of cartoon. So if you're going to dislike cartoons as a whole, you got to direct it at him. (laughs) I had a lot of friends that weren't allowed to watch SpongeBob growing up. And the reason was always either that their parents thought SpongeBob was stupid and bad, probably just because he was popular, or they really hated his laugh. And I get the second one. I kind of understand that one. (laughs) That's valid criticism. Yeah. Yeah. But I think when I was talking to Abby, she said her dad didn't like SpongeBob because of his laugh. Didn't really care yeah. about the content of the show. Where were you guys when the Nickelodeon's The SpongeBob SquarePants movie dropped? <laughs> to come At out theaters watching SpongeBob SquarePants the movie. It came out in 2004. Uh, yeah. I actually have that information so, on so the I page. Was, it came out November 17th, 2004. I was probably crying about something then. You were what, two at that point, Jackson? <laughs> no, I wasn't even one. Oh, oh. Okay, I was thinking you were born in 2002. That doesn't make any sense, though. (laughs) You're still a child. (laughs) I feel like I saw this movie in theaters, and I almost want to think I saw it on a school trip of some kind, or like uh, maybe some after-school program or something. I don't know. I really feel like I went to see it with like a bunch of other kids, and that wasn't something I traditionally would have done. (laughs) Yeah, I I saw it in the theaters as well, and it's truly one of the earliest memories i have as a child and probably did as much for me enjoying the the spongebob character as as the show itself did i don't remember seeing the spongebob squarepants movie as a kid but i do remember seeing the the 4d ride at carowinds as a kid (laughs) that's not even remotely (laughs) the same thing (laughs) (laughs) i I don't think i saw it until the first time that it actually aired on nickelodeon uh but i do Mm -hmm. remember I bought the DVD like immediately after. It, it was one of those things that I watched over and over again growing up. Yeah. Was it really surreal in the scenes where they went to the movie theater? <laughs> that was actually something I was thinking about. I watched this movie for the first time in probably at least 10 years yesterday. And uh, I was like, as as the movie begins, it's the there's a bunch of pirates on a ship that are singing the SpongeBob theme song and... Then they open a treasure chest and there are tickets to the Spongebob movie inside. And then they go to the Spongebob movie in the movie. (laughs) And there's even a part in the movie when it cuts back to them reacting to the movie. Like, as a kid, I feel like that must have been either A, incredibly overwhelming, or B, the funniest thing anyone has ever done ever. (laughs) That's a pretty immersive experience as a a youth. That's the first time where there's even, like, a, a thought about the fourth wall and like the contents of a movie versus the outside world. And I feel like, I feel like that could probably be like a complete, like a completely disorienting thing for the right person or just absolutely hysterical for a completely different person. And at the end of the movie, when the usher was like, you need to leave. That was exactly what your parents were doing. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Jason, you said this came out in November of 2004, correct? The movie. Yeah. Did you happen to notice that the game came out in October 2004? Yeah, I thought that was interesting. came out around three weeks before the movie. Which usually when they do that, a tie-in of some kind and not actually directly tied to the plot of the movie. But this is 100% just the plot of the movie. If you bought the game, you didn't have a reason to go see it. Yeah, this never clicked for me. I guess I had the game after I saw the movie growing up but i thought i stumbled onto some kind of conspiracy when i was reading about this the other day (laughs) no one's talking about this well it's actually i think it's similar to something we were talking about in the pikmin episode a few weeks ago where it's just like back in the early 2000s you didn't get games when they were brand new and you didn't get them with the same kind of regularity that like i mean jordan jackson and i get a new game every two weeks guaranteed just for the podcast yeah when I was a kid, I remember only having like a handful of video games, and you get like three or four over the course of a year, if you were lucky. Well, like one for your birthday, one for Christmas, maybe two for Christmas, and then like if you saved up money from random odds and ends, you could maybe get a few more. Yeah, you wouldn't necessarily get a game on release unless it was one that you like had been saving up money for in advance. For example, with this game in particular. I remember playing this game a lot. I don't think we ever actually owned it. 
I think we just rented it, but we rented it probably enough times that we could have just bought the game with that amount of money. <laughs> but like, I distinctly remember we rented this game a handful of times, and that was the only experiences I can really remember with it. So I, I owned the game. I had it for the GameCube, which was probably the my most played console growing up. Probably would have been the same for me, but alas, I had my GameCube taken from me at too young of an age. Something about this game in particular brings up all these memories that I thought were of the game. <laughs> like, I was thinking, like, sitting down playing this game that it's just like, Oh, I'm. This is all gonna come right back to me. All these levels, all this stuff I'm doing, like all this is gonna be like the back of my hand. And then, like, I realized I didn't remember much after like the first two levels. And what I was actually remembering the room we played this game in, and like the uh, you know like a thing that was really common in the air like of this era of gaming was game controllers had approximately a 14 inch cable. <laughs> So it was a lot of sitting on the floor, looking up at the TV, and playing games like this and like other cartoon games and games from TV shows and all this stuff. And like, I'm the more I played this game, the more I re- more I realized what I was remembering was not playing this game. It was that. <laughs> it was the it was the act of playing this game, not the contents of this game that I was so like that I so fondly remembered <laughs> yeah, yeah i think around the time this game came out the only big console that we had was the original xbox mm-hmm. we just had two controllers for that you're right like they only had i think it was like two or three feet cables maybe three feet so you yeah. had to sit right up at the tv because our couch was on the other side of the living room like there's no way it was gonna yeah. reach and we couldn't afford to get wireless remotes at that point i don't even know if they had them for the xbox I mean, I guess I'm sure that they did, if they did for the GameCube. Yeah, too rich for our blood. (laughs) (laughs) I I do just remember kind of being huddled around the Xbox and the TV for hours on end, especially on the weekends. It was a different time. Probably why my eyes are so bad. Everybody said don't play in the dark and don't sit too close to the screen, but back in the day, that's all you had sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess I guess let's finally dig into the actual game itself. 20 minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> For fans of the game SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom, which was the game it was a game made by the same studio in the same style with a lot of the same mechanics, came out a year before. Um Battle for Bikini Bottom is pretty highly regarded as one of like the best licensed games ever made. I mean, it got it got a remaster just a couple years ago and inspired a sequel 20 20- almost 20 years later that came out earlier this year so it's it was a big one and then you know the spongebob squarepants movie rolled around like a year later they took that same foundation and they built this game that roughly follows the story of the movie at least it starts and ends at the same place (laughs) uh but it expands upon some scenes let you go behind the 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 scenes a little bit of some of the parts you saw in the movie and just kind of take over the spongebob role um brandon anything you want to say about the game what what'd you like what'd you dislike we don't got to go full review but you know let us know what you thought about it going back after so many years yeah yeah it really hit close to home going back and playing it again because i too like spongebob was recently passed over for a management position Mm. <laughs> and, and every day coming home i also grappled with my own manhood when i was playing a childhood video game until i went to bed so i was i was relating to the main character quite a bit but uh, you know it follows their their journey to shelf city you collect manliness points by picking up dumbbells along your journey you can be trying to earn goofy goober tokens to to get to the next levels and it's a fun game there's a lot of driving challenges some fun mini games some combat arenas some pretty fun boss fights i don't know it it had everything i wanted i I probably looked at it through too much of rose tinted glasses but i don't have any negatives about it i honestly i feel the same way i i thought that the spongebob squarepants movie game was really good surprisingly 
I remember not liking it quite as much as Battle for Bikini Bottom. And I still wouldn't necessarily say it's better than Battle for Bikini Bottom in any way, but there are definitely some features that are in this game, like the ability to level up and improve your abilities that I wish they had carried back in time to 2003 <laughs> and put in that game. Yeah. Now, I, I was really surprised. Like like I said, I thought I was going to vividly remember like every single level of this game, and that wasn't the case at all. Um, but, you know, having played it on and off for the last couple of weeks and then having watched the movie yesterday... I was really vibing with it in a way that I, I wasn't expecting to. Like, I think in my mind when it's like, oh, I got to go back and play a game from like the PS2 era. I, I'm picturing like Madagascar, the movie, the game. <laughs> right. Those like those crappy license games that we're doing as little as possible just to cash in on the license. And like this game has a little bit of that. But for the most part, they actually did a pretty good job of trying to you know, designed some pretty cool and interesting levels and they expanded upon parts of the movie that I thought actually made sense to expand upon. And they also just added some stuff that wasn't there at all just to kind of flesh it out, which I thought was kind of cool. Like there's a pretty early on, there's like this desert level that's not really in the movie in any capacity. So like they added some actually interesting stuff, which I thought was a lot of fun. I will say, I I think it compares really poorly to battle for bikini bottom just because like battle for bikini bottoms boss fights i think were a little bit more in-depth and interesting the levels Mm -hmm. were bigger kind of more fleshed out and the biggest thing is just this game is not as good looking as battle for bikini bottom which i thought was really weird you think that for a big movie tie-in game like this you'd want it to be graphically i mean that's what everyone cared about in the early 2000s with video games it was just the graphics right i do remember that was a really big thing it's like every time a new game would come out there would be like a like we would read like game informer and stuff like that anytime a new game was coming out there'd be like a whole paragraph just explaining the technology of the graphics and how like it was entirely new and you know fancy and its own thing and it just looked like every other game in the end <laughs> so. i got past those issues really quickly because yeah. i think that it is just really fun and it's kind of like a reminder of what licensed games used to be when they were good <laughs> yeah it's it's always interesting to look back at licensed games because there were some really good ones like this game or i remember liking one of the ben 10 games as well bringing it back to that but then i just remember how the vast majority of licensed games were some of the worst ones you've ever played like madagascar the movie the game is a terrible game <laughs> But I still feel like I miss it sometimes. Just always having something for every movie that came out where I got to play as that character and explore that world. Yeah, I had a Shrek game growing up that was came out right right after the movie was released. And that was one of my favorites growing up. I also played Robot. That's a movie that I just forget exists like so often. Yeah. <laughs> Not very memorable, but the game was pretty fun. Yeah. It's got that scene where they say it's making the baby that's the fun part and everyone <laughs> everyone collectively lost their minds over that when they remembered it. <laughs> yeah. One I distinctly remember really liking even though I'm sure it would be absolutely unplayable if I went back today was the Shark Tale video game cuz it was like a huge mishmash of different genres and like different types of games and like each level played like a little bit differently and it had like dance dance revolution inspired rhythm games and it had platforming and it had like block puzzle type like we had to slide stuff around like it had a little bit of everything but i'm sure none of it was especially good (laughs) that's what they would do with a lot of the licensed games back in the day is since they knew that none of the gameplay by itself was especially good they would hope they could win people over by just having as many different types of gameplay as possible yeah i also remember playing the Finding Nemo game on the Oh yeah, app. that was kind of the same thing. I think way. I had it for GameCube. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and like there were parts of it that I thought were really good. Like I liked the parts where you were it was a 3D platformer essentially. Yeah. Except you were swimming. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember a huge amount about the game. Yeah. Like I liked those parts, but then there were other parts where it was just like, here's a mini game and here's a completely different mini game. And all the mini games were just the worst version of some other game you've already played. <laughs> yeah. Like you mentioned Dance Dance Revolution style mini games in Shark Tale. Like every game back then would have a segment like that 
And none of them were anywhere near as good as just playing Dance Dance Revolution. Jackson, did you have any like especially memorable like licensed tie-in games like that? One particular one um, <laughs> that I remember playing a lot of. Uh, the trans- I was right. It was Transformers Autobots for the Nintendo DS, wasn't it? No, it wasn't, oh, actually. It. No, it was the Transformers animated the game for the DS. Ah. Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> yeah, but also wasn't, but also it was. I played a lot of that one. That one was fun. I never beat it because I was a small child that didn't know how to play video games. No, I remember the Transformers Autobots. I think there was also Decepticons one. Uh, for the, oh yeah, the there DS, was yeah, where the whole thing with the game was you could scan just about any car and your transformer could turn into it, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever in a video game. So I I actually went back to a lot of other ones recently. I've been playing a lot of my old uh, GameCube games, and and this one I, I played a lot of sports games growing up, and this was very different from those. Uh, it it had the most nostalgia to it uh, again uh, that, that's what i'm gonna keep going back to that's what <laughs> sure attracted me to this game but you know it it made me feel good it, it made me have fun I, I could come home after a day of work and unwind and just enjoy myself and you know i, I played it for very different reasons recently than i did growing up but you know the, the feeling was still the same i really miss this type of simple game I think a lot of games now have to have big open worlds and complex narratives and they want to have all these like really elaborate upgrade systems and unique mechanics and like all this stuff's great of course if it's done correctly but I miss a game where you just like run through a level punch some bad guys and get to the end and you're done <laughs> like I I miss how many games from when we were kids were just this kind of thing where it was get from point a to point b and fight some bad guys and jump on some platforms along the way yeah, yeah. that that's what i loved about it. It, it there were some challenging moments but the game is simple there's it's not there's no complexity to it it's a good like turn your brain off game and just kind of vibe sure. yeah. and then it's a story that you know and i mean oh, I, yeah. I think at least the three of us are big fans of the movie yeah, I assume pretty- Jackson's a big fan. I don't think that he's actually said. <laughs> that doesn't great. sound very. Uh, if you're a big fan, you I said am. It's great. <laughs> I am a goofy goober. Yeah, the goofiest of goobers. Yeah. Even he keeps going off script. He doesn't know the quotes. <laughs> he's a bubble <laughs> baby. <laughs> Sorry, Jackson. <laughs> we don't use that kind of language on this podcast. <laughs> It's kind of funny that you mentioned like being really into sports games because I remember when we were kids, it felt like they came out a lot more often. Yeah. I don't think that we were ever really into football games, but we did have a lot of like, I think basketball and tennis were the two big ones. Yeah. Well, you got to remember, not only did they have the regular NBA 2K games, they had the 2K live games too. And they had college sports games back then. Yeah, and, yeah, and there was the street games. Yeah, whereas, like, they still churn out sports games like crazy, but it's pretty much just a new Madden, a new NBA 2K. You get one a year for each of the main three sports, and that's it. Yeah, and there's not even really competition anymore. Like, there's no longer... I don't think, like, NBA Live even exists anymore. And, I mean, there's really just Madden. I don't know of any other big football games, so... Name a second tennis game that came out. In the past five years. The first Mario one that you can tennis. think of is Mario Tennis. <laughs> yeah. That's something I wanted to talk about. A lot of these big sports game giants, the 2Ks and EA, seem to have devolved since my childhood. And maybe that's uh, me being an old man yelling at clouds here. But <laughs> I feel like they're all going towards the, the microtransactions and the virtual currency and trying to get people to spend real money. Oh, yeah. Targeting children sure. primarily. Yeah. Oh, it's it's bad. And it's especially bad because they can get away with it with zero repercussion. They have, like, big companies like 2K and EA have seen decline in their sports game sales in terms of number of copies that leave the shelves every year. But they're actually making significantly more money because they do those, like, um, like where you build, like, a fantasy roster type thing. And even if only one of like a hundred people is actually spending money on that part of it, 
the people that are are spending so much money and there's zero overhead on products and services in that realm so like they're making more money selling less games so they're just gonna keep doing it that's yeah. why each year there's minimal improvement sometimes they're actively worse than the year before um and yeah. all they're really expanding on is those like live servicey fantasy team elements yeah that yeah. explains decisions like you know to play a career in 2k recently uh you know they've got an open world now you have to run around the city and do quests like yeah, you know, find a girl and make a TikTok video before you're allowed to play your next game. Yeah, talk yeah. to Jake from State talk Farm. to Jake from yes. State Farm. <laughs> <laughs> the Jake from State Farm scene is one of the funniest but saddest things I've ever seen in a video game. God, it's so bad. I'll, I'll tweet it or something uh, just for anyone that hasn't seen it yet. It's oof. It's bad. <laughs> Marketing in video games really hit this weird plateau a few years ago where i think everybody finally realized that people were tired about it or tired of it uh but like the 2k games in particular are making so much money off of it that they couldn't do anything to stop it yeah they're just marketing machines that's the only thing that they operate as i guess they're also skinner boxes on the weekends they probably have like long-term deals like state farm has to be referenced in some capacity in like the next five 2k games or something like that or you but know. it's crazy because they already had like courtside ads and stuff right. like that there was there's always been ads all over the place in these sports games and they just keep realizing like oh i guess we can put more ads here yeah. like i guarantee the reason they wanted to add the open world stuff was just so they could show you more brands right so you can walk around a mall and see uh, brands that you couldn't work into the actual like basketball court in any way it's just like Hey, there's a Peloton. Hey, there's like, but, but it's crazy because it was courtside ads, and then you got to think about like Nike, Adidas, every other brand you could possibly think of, like G Fuel, Gatorade, <laughs> like just everywhere in those games, and they still they're still just like we need more, we need more, <laughs> and then on top of that, they're just constantly trying to get money out of people's wallets with the my player or not my player but the the my team stuff i don't know it's crazy to me i've heard you guys use uh the term like fan servicey to describe some games that are you know playing too hard to the to the diehard fans of the 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 game but it feels like they're doing the opposite oh yeah for sure they're trying to reach new audiences and don't care about the people they've already one over yeah and i think that's that's something that is unfortunately uh, almost every game that has like a recurring revenue stream of some kind has to do one of two things you either have to go the jackson and i play a lot of this game destiny 2 destiny that's what i was gonna mention destiny has adapted a business model which is going to extract as much money as possible from its existing fans but it's doing absolutely nothing to appeal to new fans And then you have games like the 2K series that's wanting to bring in as many outside people as possible at the cost of the people that are already there. (laughs) And like, it's because there's no competition for those games, right? Yeah, like there's not another game that's doing what Destiny is doing at the level Destiny is doing it. Yeah, and that there's no, I mean, like we mentioned, like there's no other basketball game or football game. Like you just have 2K essentially. At least soccer kind of has, you know, there's a little bit of competition there. But I think that the soccer games, their biggest thing is they're not focused towards the American market. And I don't think a lot of Americans buy the FIFA games like the same way that people do 2K and football games. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there's there's definitely a clear divide where some developers are trying to extract every penny they can out of their existing fans and some developers are trying to bring in as many new fans as possible and i don't know that either one is actually uh i don't know if one is actually more effective than the other and i also don't know if one is actually good like i i mean obviously this company's got to make money but i don't know what that looks like in a way that's good for the fans <laughs> because like like i play a ton of fortnite and i i love fortnite probably played at least half the seasons you know pretty pretty regularly since the game came out and i i like it a lot but i also see how predatory 
its whole way of doing things is because it flashes a character in front of your face and it's just like if you pay us ten dollars and invest 50 hours in this game we'll give you this character which already sounds crazy but then you start applying that to like (laughs) eight-year-olds where it's just like hey here's spider-man give me your mom's credit card (laughs) well it's like with our little brother they had to put a password on jackson's xbox account because because jackson kept buying porn Yeah, uh, our brother Hayden was using Jackson's Xbox to play Roblox and then uh, started spending our parents' real money (laughs) on things in Roblox. (laughs) With Fortnite, like, I buy things on the shop, and I'm an adult who can actually, like, make money, and I have to justify that spending decision, at least to myself. So, like, you know when kids are playing and they see a skin that they're really excited for, like, there's no... You never think about your parents' money when you're spending it, like when you're a kid. But we also didn't really have the opportunity to spend our parents' money back then because the internet wasn't as big of a thing, at least not in the video game space. Yeah. I'm tired of talking about all these cash grab games. Let's talk about a tie-in video game from a movie from 2004 instead. But at least that was just one right. $40, $50 payment. Right. You buy the game and you're done. Like if this if this game came out today, you would be able to pay like two bucks or whatever, probably more than that, and then you could play as hungover SpongeBob for the entire game <laughs> or something dumb like that. <laughs> I guess at the end of the day what I'm saying is I used to be with it. But then they changed what it was, and now what I'm with isn't it, and what's it seems weird and scary to me. It'll happen to you. Was that from something? Was that a reference of some kind? <laughs> Yeah, it's from The Simpsons. Oh, okay. Okay, that tracks. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, this was a fun game. <laughs> I like Yeah, I guess playing. we should talk more about the SpongeBob game. <laughs> yeah, instead of yeah. just marketing, or uh, I guess marketing and these kinds of games in general. All right, so as y'all know, I did not play this game for this episode because I didn't have a way to play it. So I have some questions I want to ask instead. Uh, first and foremost... How, how similar to the movie is the game? I think it's like one of the more faithful video game adaptations I've played of a movie. It definitely like does some stuff to expand upon it because the movie's only an hour and a half and this game probably takes, I don't know, seven or eight hours to beat. But like it actually has like it just straight up shows you a lot of scenes from the movie and at least it starts and ends in line with the movie, so better than a lot of them. Does it just use scenes from the movie as cutscenes? Kinda. Interesting. There's also, like, hmm. these weird hand-drawn pictures that they do sometimes. Yeah. Interesting. Brandon, what'd you think? Did it do Did it do the movie justice? <laughs> I think most, for the most part, it, like, the, the four bosses that you fight are, you know, they're, they're dominant characters in the movie itself. Yeah, you, you know, the, the four big checkpoints you're gonna you're gonna hit something from the movie it, it starts in the same place they're opening the new crusty crab location spongebob wants the manager job of the original but doesn't get it um, and it ends in the same place they go to shell city they get king neptune's crown they come back you have to defeat king neptune with the power of rock music <laughs> yeah nice and then uh he saves the day uh, you know for the most part i'd say it follows it relatively well Something I was pretty impressed with with this game is that they have the almost the entire original voice cast. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, like they have Clancy Brown, who quite famously is not in Battle for Bikini Bottom. Uh, and then they what have like Jeffrey Tambor and Scarlett Johansson reprising their roles. They didn't get Alec Baldwin or... Uh, Wait, who did Jeffrey Tambor play? King Neptune. Ah, oh, interesting. I never realized that. Yeah, I thought it was funny that it's King Neptune in this movie, when King Triton is, like, a recurring character. There's always money in the Krusty Krab. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, if you all had to guess, uh, which I already know the answer to this, obviously, how many SpongeBob video games would you think there are? Now, these are just SpongeBob-centric video games. Like, he has been featured in, like, a hundred video games, if you count all of, like, the Nickelodeon cast of character stuff. But, like... Actual SpongeBob games. How many would you guess there are? Um, I can 15. think of like five. I'm gonna say around ten. There are twenty nine. Whoa. Thirty uh, if you count the SpongeBob uh-huh. plug and play 
uh, the thing where it was like his head as a joystick and <laughs> it plugged directly into your TV. Um, we had that. Yeah. There have been 30 SpongeBob games, uh, the most recent one being the Cosmic Shake, which was a sequel to Battle for Bikini Bottom. Then Cosmic Shake came out in January of this year. Uh, this playing this game has made me really interested in the Cosmic Shake. I'm I'm definitely gonna be picking that one up in the near future. Um, but yeah, there have been a ton of these. I remember playing like the old old ones for the for PC, mm-hmm. like Employee of the Month. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. There was another one that was like a PC exclusive one. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. Operation Krabby Patty. Yes, that was it. Yeah. I played those so much on my dad's computer when I was little. Here's another question. This one might not make it into the episode because it's going to get weirdly dark. Uh, of these 30 games, how many of them do you think came out in September of 2001? Three? <laughs> it's more than you think. <laughs> uh, uh, there were two. Uh, SpongeBob Super Sponge and Operation Krabby Patty both came out within three weeks of 9-11. Wow. You can't <laughs> let the terrorists win. <laughs> Yep. I think that says a lot about American ingenuity. <laughs> huh. yeah. yeah, I I had the Super Sponge game for PlayStation 1. I don't remember oh. a lot about it other than Jellyfish seemed to be one of the common antagonists. Wait, I remember oh, this fun. game, actually. Like, actually looking at some gameplay of it, like, I definitely played this one. But was it on something else? Was it on... Game Boy on Ad- PS1. Uh, game Boy Advance. Yeah, I think I played the Game Boy Advance version of this game. Actually looking at it, I definitely remember part of this. It has a very weird art style where it's like a 2D platformer, but the characters have this like very weird outline where it's like very defined <laughs> for some reason. Um, like I distinctly remember the look of this game. So I've definitely played this before. But yeah, going down this list, I've I have not played most of these i've not even heard of a handful of these like there was one for the ps2 called revenge of the flying dutchman i don't think i've even heard of that one um and that one came out less than a year before battle for bikini bottom which i absolutely adore that game there was also like a a mario party style one called lights camera pants that i had for the gamecube that was something Uh. yeah it was there was all kinds of stuff there was a drawn to life tie-in uh there was a couple of racing games there was a wii u drawing or a wii no wait a Wii, is it a U draw? Wii space U draw game, <laughs> not a Wii U game. A Wii U draw game. SpongeBob SquigglePants. That's. I always think the U draw is funny because yeah. just a reminder. That's the game that, or that's the I guess peripheral that put THQ out of business. Yeah. Was that game pre or post DoodleBob? Post by quite a bit actually. Um. So the DS one, the Drawn to Life SpongeBob SquarePants edition. That one was all about DoodleBob. That one came out in two thousand eight. And then the SpongeBob drawing game came out in 2011. I think yeah. the SpongeBob DoodleBob episode might have been pre the movie. It That's a good a possibility. Season two. It was an yeah. early one. But uh, I talked about how he's been in like over a hundred games, if you count like everything. Well, there was all those like Nicktoons Unite games. Right. There was like that. Nicktoons Racing. There was a game called Nicktoons. Nicktoons. I don't know what that's about. I guess it's just music from Nickelodeon stuff. Uh, there was Party Blast. There was Twister 3D, whatever that is. There were a ton of sports games. There was like just all kinds of stuff. Like SpongeBob has just been all over the place. Uh, there was a game called SpongeBob SquarePants featuring Nicktoons, Globs of Doom. That was a SpongeBob forward game, but it also had like Danny Phantom and Jimmy Neutron in it for some reason. Yeah, uh, they made all of those Nicktoons games that they almost always surrounded Danny Phantom, SpongeBob, Jimmy Neutron, and for some reason I want to think it wasn't Timmy. It was someone else. They were like all over the place, and they were all terrible. We we only owned one of them, but they all looked exactly the same, so I can only assume they're all terrible. So Jordan, we're obviously biased here at Totally Biased Media, mm-hmm. but what's the public got to say about this game? It actually, it's sitting at a pretty good Metacritic score. It's got a 75, which I think is like the cutoff for it to be in the highest tier. <laughs> That's when it's green. Um, <laughs> but uh, there were some some reviews that really resonated with me, some that I really wanted to bring to the forefront here. <laughs> uh, this, is a, this is a review from Metacritic. This game is good, but sadly I can't play it. Dot, dot, dot. I'll try another website. P.S. I watch SpongeBob every day. <laughs> Zero out of (laughs) ten. So, like, I think the biggest problem that I have with this game 
is that um, I'm not playing it right now, which means my enjoyment of it right now is a zero out of ten. So I, I'm kind of in the same camp as this guy. What do you think the developers should have done differently? <laughs> Made it to where I'm playing this game right now all the time. I'm just always playing this game. Uh, they should have just given whoever wrote this specifically like a GameCube and a copy of the game as soon as they wrote it. There's someone that works for this company that's just always browsing the Metacritic. <laughs> as soon as one review comes in, they're on it and they're just like, I got to fix this now. That's a really interesting question, though, because, I, you know, I think when we play like modern games, I have a lot of recommendations for things that I think the developers should have done to make it better. I don't. I don't know what they could do with this game to make it better. I mean, it very much is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it uh, it is what it is. It could be improved by the emulator that I played it on had less input lag. I played mine via the Wii, and my experience was pretty positive. I miss when games were backwards compatible in terms of like you could just straight up put in you know, yes. the cartridge or the disc or whatever from the previous generation, and it works. I think that was one of the coolest features with the Wii. Unfortunately, I lost all of my GameCube games, so I didn't get to take advantage of it. Jason's GameCube was torn from his hands. <laughs> it was it was ripped out of my hands, set on fire in the garbage right in front of me. Yeah. Along with all of my games. And then a year later, I got a PS2. Never looked back. <laughs> wow. Which I guess was probably an upgrade, but... Not to me it wasn't, because I had Sonic Adventure 2 on the GameCube, and I did not have it for the PS2. Did you have any other consoles growing up, Brandon? I was a PlayStation guy, so I think the GameCube was my first, but I had uh, every PlayStation up to 4. Yeah, PlayStation's always been like my go-to console, but I had different consoles in different places when I was a little kid. I had like my PS2 at my mom's and i had my gamecube at my grandma's and i had my xbox at my dad's i had access to different ones at different times <laughs> but from like the point where i was actually like i had my own consoles that were exclusively mine i was pretty much playstation was my go-to from like that was like ps3 era forward and that's still the case like the ps5 if a, if a game is launching on all the consoles i have available i'm going to pick ps5 nine times out of ten and i did have a few handhelds as well but the psp and nintendo mm. ds and uh the game boys very young well everybody had the wii that was the the right. big one literally everyone they sold like a bajillion of those things <laughs> i will say when i was growing up i think the first console i got was my gamecube like at well jordan and i's shared dad's house <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. However, the best way to word that is like, right. and Jackson as well. But Jackson was but, a baby, so it didn't matter. Yeah, he was a baby, so it didn't matter. Like we <laughs> had an Xbox and a PS One, and then when I was at my dad's house, I had a GameCube and then a PS Two. Eventually, I think we did. We ever get a PS Two? Yeah, we had a PS Two because we played Sly Cooper and stuff like that. Yeah, so I guess I had that both houses. Uh, but then basically everything since then has been PlayStation. Oh, we got an Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. But like we didn't, we never bought an Xbox One, and we never had. The only reason we bought an Xbox Series was so we could do <laughs> reviews on this podcast. As far as I know, right? Playing out well for us. There's been plenty of Game Pass stuff and a couple of Xbox exclusives. <laughs> you know, I like the Series X more than I like the PS5, but I still use the PS5 more just because I used the PS4 a lot, and I'm kind of used to like that controller and the UI and stuff like that. <laughs> It just kind of became like the default console that I use in my mind. So now even though, like I said, I like the Series X more, I just don't use it as often. So Brandon, you're not much of a gamer these days, are you? Not not so much. Uh, recently, um, I, I have been playing all the old GameCube games. So that's that's been my biggest experience. But I haven't played a lot of new games for a while. Well, I got a couple of recommendations based on our conversation today. Um, Please. Specifically, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom. <laughs> uh, that one that one is one of my absolute favorite games from my childhood and replaying it a couple years ago when they re-released it on like the PS4 and Xbox One and stuff. Like it was still so good. And then, you know, we got SpongeBob Cosmic Shake. Like they're still churning out SpongeBob. There's, there's still plenty to dip into there. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. Yeah, Cosmic Shake's notable because it plays exactly like this one, but if this game came out 20 years later. 
Brandon, we appreciate you sitting down with us and talking about good old SpongeBob. Is there anything else you've been into? Anything else you'd recommend? Or anything about the SpongeBob game that we did not actually talk about all that much? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, the the three games I've been playing primarily uh, of GameCube games I grew up with: Madden 2007, MVP Baseball 2005, and Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2004, based on pro golfer Tiger Woods. Disgraced pro golfer. <laughs> what did he do? Uh, he cheated on his wife or something. I don't know. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> I remember it was a big deal, and I think they stopped putting him on the cover of the PTA Tour games. For a while. Yeah. But then they just started doing it again, so. <laughs> yeah. He made a comeback. I'd like, to, I'd like to go back and play some of those old sports games like that. You know, I, I've played the most recent FIFA, and I've played a little bit of 2K from, like, I don't know, 2021 or something like that. I would like to go back and try playing a game from, like, that era just to see. Because I feel like it's got to be... A night and day difference. I do have NBA Street Volume 3. I heard you uh, reference that earlier. It's got uh, Mario, Luigi, and Princess Peach as <laughs> playable characters, as yeah. well as the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Those games were the best. They had everybody in them. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just lost Jackson. <laughs> R.I.P. Jackson. Uh, I can do his part if you want. Sure. Uh, this week, I played Destiny 2. And I gotta say... Uh, the new season came out since the last time we did an episode, and it's pretty good. The gunplay is good. Uh, I like the new weapons and the new enemies, and the new area is pretty cool to explore. I mean, that pretty much hits all the things he would normally say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Jason, anything else you've been into? If you remember a while ago, I talked about the case of the Golden Idol, which is like the point-and-click mystery-solving game for PC, where basically like the idea of the game is that it shows you an area where a murder has taken place, or it just shows you like an image of the aftermath of some like big event. And what you need to do is click through like all the people and all the items in the environment and stuff like that and determine what went down, what caused those people to die or this robbery to happen or something like that. It's, it's a pretty cool game that I definitely would recommend to people. Uh, the reason I'm talking about it now is because there are now two DLC out for it. One of them came out a few months ago, I think, and the other one came out, it was like a shadow drop just a couple of days ago, and mm. I've been playing through those DLC just as good as the main game was. Nice. It's, it's just such a fun experience. They don't take very long to do. It's not a particularly long game, but it definitely requires some interesting thinking. <laughs> And I can't think of any other game that really does what this game does. Really cool and unique. That's really about it for me. Uh, Jordan, what have you been up to? I've been watching the show Game Changer, which is a Dropout original. If you're unfamiliar with Dropout, it is College Humor's streaming service. And you're probably thinking, Ugh, another streaming service. But this one's actually good. Uh, Dropout's really great. Every show I've seen on there has been incredible so far. But Game Changer is definitely one of the standouts. The Basically, the pitch is it's a competition game show where the people competing don't know the rules. Uh, and I don't mean they're not told beforehand. I mean they're never told the rules. And they just kind of have to figure it out as they go. And sometimes it's very simple things. Like it, there is some where it's uh, trivia-esque. <laughs> and there's some where it is just like logic puzzles. But there's also some wild ones. Like uh, there's an episode where the contestants are given catchphrases or code phrases, however you say it, and they have to go and find sleeper agents hidden around the town. Not just like around the studio where they're recording. They have to go out into the community and start saying these random phrases to random people hoping they're a sleeper <laughs> agent. And uh, there was one I watched today where they are... Uh, they're on a conveyor belt and they are told what they have to build from the stuff coming down the conveyor belt. And it gets progressively more complicated each round. And it's just, it's such a weird show, but they bring on such funny people. Like it's absolutely hilarious because they bring on people that just are hilarious. It's all comedians and people that have worked at college humor and done sketch comedy and improv and all that stuff. So just really good stuff. But yeah, it's, it's really good game changer on dropout. 
uh, which again, it is another streaming service, but everything on Dropout's great. And I'm sure I'll be talking about more Dropout stuff in the near future because I've been watching it a lot the last little bit. So. The thing that got me to subscribe to Dropout was actually uh, the Um Actually game show, which they did on YouTube first. And the idea behind the game was just they would read off a statement about like pop culture and you had to determine what was wrong with that statement. It's a much simpler game than Game Changer, but I always really enjoyed it because the people that were on it were pretty funny and the stuff that they would have to find that was wrong with the statements was usually like weird and esoteric and like very very specific, like stuff that people that weren't big fans of whatever that property was would have never guessed. So. Yeah. It's just a it's a pretty fun game show. It's really the only game show I've ever seen that I really liked. That and Game Changer. Jackson's back. <laughs> I've 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 been back. Um, just I hadn't had anything to say yet. Well, since Jackson, you're actually here now. Do you want to do a quick pulling the plug before we wrap up? So the thing I've spent the most time with, I can't really talk about because it's our next game we're reviewing. But the other thing I can talk about is the new Destiny season because of course I can. Yeah. All right, wrap it up. I already did <laughs> it. We're good. There are new <laughs> yeah. things to do, new things to earn, and there is game. That's it. What do you think of the new weapons? They are weaponing, for sure. Are they, if you had to describe them in a single adjective, what would that adjective be? Gun. That's not an adjective. <laughs> I like it, though. The new area uh, to explore. How would you describe it? Game. All right, we're not getting anything out of this. I just wanted to see if my <laughs> predictions were right. Yeah. New area, good. Uh, some of the guns are good. I haven't used most of them yet. Uh, so far, good season. Liking it so far. Could end up being very bad, though. All right, yeah, you can cut Jackson's part. I think I hit all of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Brandon, once again, thank you for joining us. This has been fun. We uh, we hope to have you back in some capacity in the near future. That was uh, my pleasure. Thanks for joining the program. <laughs> we'll see ourselves out now. <laughs> so, if you would like to hear more of us... Uh, you know, you can check out our Twitch channel. Uh, we're currently streaming the Year of the Kong as we play through all the Donkey Kong Country games. Uh, we're on the final one, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. And uh, we still have a couple more streams left of that one. You can find us on twitch.tv slash totallybiasedmedia. Uh, if you want to follow us on socials, we're on X, not Twitter, X, uh, as at TBMcast. We're on Instagram at totallybiasedmedia. And you can send an email to totallybiasedmedia at gmail.com if you want to send us your review for some of the upcoming games, some big ones we're doing in the near future, like Starfield, Armored Core 6, Baldur's Gate. Uh, you know, we got all kinds of stuff on the horizon. So if there's any game that you're really loving, send us your review, and we'd love to read it on the podcast. But for the Totally Biased Media podcast, I'm Jordan Walkup. I'm Jason Simmons. I'm Jackson Walkup. And I'm the other guy. And you just <laughs> felt the bias. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye.